0: Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Female Fight Fans Podcast. My name is Erin McKell. I am the founder and CEO of the site and the host of this podcast. And I want to welcome you back and thank you so much for tuning in. Um, And today we're going to go over um, a few topics, hot topics going on in the MMA and fighting world, including Greg Hardy being signed to the UFC We're going to do a preview of the Fight Night card coming up this Saturday, Cowboy versus Edwards. Uh, Briefly recap some UFC 225 action. Talk a little bit about Ronda Rousey being inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame. Um, And yeah, I think that's about it. So let's get right into it without further ado. So first let's start with UFC 225 um which happened uh the weekend before last and i was hoping and planning to do a recap podcast of the entire fight card since there was a lot that happened a lot to cover a lot of really great fights but it just didn't end up happening so i won't bore you by going into all of the different details cuz i'm sure by now you probably already are aware of them um but overall i think a really great fight card and um I think the main points I want to get to are um, the future with Holly Holm because obviously um, in her fight against Megan Anderson, Holly Holm she really delivered and she really showed her versatility and her skill set and i think proved to a lot of people that she's not a one-dimensional fighter um i know one of my biggest criticisms of her and many others as well has been that she's too predictable and kind of does the same thing in every single fight um and She really showed a lot of improvements to her game. Um, Most of her offense came from her groundwork and her takedowns. And she really showed that she can wrestle. She can grapple. Um, You know, she has some decent jujitsu and she has a blue belt in jujitsu. So she has been training for a few years, but um, definitely very impressive victory for her. And I think that ultimately she's probably going to get a title shot as a result Here's the thing. I don't necessarily think she deserves that. Um, You know what? She's on a one fight win streak now, and I think the matchup they're probably going to go for is her against Amanda Nunes for the 135 belt. So, if you look back at Holly Holmes history, it doesn't really make sense for her to be getting a title shot. Um, So now she's five, and, or I'm sorry, four and two in her last six, and. Um, her last fight at 135 was a victory, but it was against Bech Kohea, who I believe is the number 14th ranked fighter. And although Holly Holm is the number one contender, which I think is a whole nother issue, um, it just doesn't really make sense. I think it's more of a uh, entertainment, not even really a money fight in some ways, but um, it's probably the biggest fight that you can put on in the Bantamweight division. And I think also, luckily for her, there's not a lot of clear contenders right now. The division is a little bit stagnant. And so uh, I think that also kind of opens the door for her to get a title shot. Um, I-, I do think it's potentially an interesting matchup between her and Nunez. A lot of people have said that. Um, I almost feel like it's one of those things where on paper, it sounds like it could be this really... Interesting fight where you know you have Nunez who is a fast starter, who's aggressive, who's coming forward, who has a lot of first round finishes versus Home, who is more of a distance fighter, is on the back foot and is uh, able to get out of a lot of way, get out of the way of a lot of offense and counter strike as sort of her main offensive weapons. But I feel like I don't know. I could potentially see the fight actually being kind of boring. Um, because for whatever reason, I feel like it's, I feel like Nunez and Tyron Woodley are actually very similar in a lot of ways. And like, before they captured their respective belts, they were, you know, these knockout artists, all these first round finishes, just, you know, so much power in their hands And, and, you know, just looked really unstoppable but then ever since they captured their titles I guess maybe with Nunes minus the Rousey fight but um, just have been a little bit more uh, tentative and some might say technical in their fighting styles and their approach and are just a lot more cautious and looking more for openings and opportunities that their opponent opens up for them versus being offensive on their own and being aggressive and going forward And, you know, I think the problem with that is that it kind of makes for lackluster fights, although it does do a lot for the fighter's safety, I think, because it's a lot easier to get out of there without injury if you're not putting yourself in the position to potentially get injured, right? Um, Versus if you're going into a barn burner. So, you know, I think it, it makes sense in that respect. Um... And it's a lot harder also to get clipped or get caught with something unexpected if you're just kind of being patient. But, you know, I think especially in an organization like the UFC, they don't really have a lot of patience for that. That's not um, what people are kind of looking for, and that's not what's going to bring in buys or bring in attention. And um, I feel like Holly Holm, as the years have gone on, she's gotten more and more tentative as well. If you look back at some of her early fights, not really in the UFC, but... Um, She fought in Legacy. She fought in Bellator prior to being signed to the UFC and had just like vicious, vicious head kick knockouts um, and just fought very differently. She was a lot more aggressive. There was a lot more forward pressing. Even though she is a counter striker, she would open up opportunities a lot more and she would take a lot more risks. And I would highly encourage you to watch some of her previous fights if you've never seen them before the UFC, because, uh, it, it really is kind of remarkable, the difference, um, so, I, I don't know, so I'm not quite sure, I think the fight could end up being kind of like two tentative fighters, and end up being sort of boring, but I, you know, I can, I guess, understand it, but, and I do feel like it will happen, but, um, yeah, so I guess we'll see, and then, um, You know, I think in terms of just the main event, um, obviously lots of drama just because Yoel Romero missed weight for the second time. And he's the only person who's ever missed weight two consecutive times for a title belt. And he wasn't even eligible to win the title as a result because you have to be um, completely on weight and, you know, you don't get any sort of allowance when it's a title that's on the line. So... There's talk that he's going to move up to 205 and fight Alexander Gustafson, which I think would be a smart move, probably for everybody involved. Um, you, you know, the one, the the 185 fight with Whitaker, I mean, it was a great fight. There's, I don't know if there's even much to say about it in the sense of like, you know, if you have two eyes and you watched it, you saw it was an amazing fight. A lot of people are saying it's a contender for fight of the year. I don't disagree so far, although you know we have a ways to go and. Typically, um, I think the fights kind of get better as the year goes on, but certainly it was fantastic, you know, and it was very different than the first fight. Yoel really wasn't going for takedowns at all. And in the first fight with Whitaker, I think he went for 18 total takedowns, um, you know, which is crazy in terms of the amount of energy that expends and, um, and. He kind of took the same approach he took in the his previous fight with Luke Rackold, where he just kind of stood in front of him and just kind of waited. It's kind of that whole tentative game. I think the difference is that Yoel will just kind of randomly come forward with something really powerful and kind of, I think I think his plan and his what he's trying to do is make you comfortable and think that, like, oh, he's just going to stand there. And then, you know, when you get too comfortable and complacent, then he'll come forward and hit you with something unexpected and something really big. Um, that sort of worked a little bit since in rounds four and five, he was really able to turn it on more. And, you know, in in round five, it, it almost got stopped at one point. You know, it was, um, it was brutal. Like Robert Whitaker really, really had to persevere and he showed his toughness, you know, getting through that onslaught. But, you know, it wasn't enough. I do agree. It was a very close fight, but I do agree with the judge's decision, Three rounds to two for Whitaker, And, you know, it's two to zero. So I don't think, especially because of the whole weight issue, I don't really think um, a third fight makes sense. Um, I was really confused as to why Joe Rogan um, mentioned a rubber match. It, when It's not a rubber match situation. A rubber match would be if they were one and one going into a trilogy. But typically if it's two to zero... Uh, you're not get- And it's the champion and all of those factors are in play. You're not getting a rematch anytime soon, um, nor should you probably, right? So, um, great fight. But, uh, yeah, I think the result is that uh, Yoel needs to move up to 205. And I do think, I don't know if he can beat Alexander Gustafson. And especially, like, you know, he's not going to have a size advantage anymore and all those kind of things um, that come into play when he's fighting at middleweight so I think it'd be a great fight though Um and I think it looks like they're probably going to do it so I'm excited for it but yeah so that was 225 and then you know last week there was a bunch of drama in terms of the whole Greg Hardy situation because last week was the start of Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series which is a show on a fight pass where essentially they take different people who are in smaller promotions and organizations, um, and they have a chance to potentially get a UFC contract. It's not really clear-cut, like something with the Ultimate Fighter, where you go through a tournament and the winner gets a six-figure contract. It's more touch-and-go, where Dana White just kind of has the ultimate decision. And even if you go into the show and win your fight, or win a couple fights, you're not guaranteed a contract. So... um, it's not as clear-cut in terms of sort of the rules and regulations around it, but the goal is to get a contract, ultimately. And uh, there's some exciting things that are, are going to be happening this summer with the show. Um, Valentina Shevchenko, her sister Antonina, um, who's also a martial artist and uh, has competed in Muay Thai for longer than Valentina has. Um, is just a little bit more well-known now because... She, um she's become somewhat of a high profile UFC fighter, but Antonina has actually been a longer practitioner. and um, some would argue actually that she's uh, <clears throat> the more accomplished of the two of them. and so Antonina is gonna be making not her UFC debut, but she's gonna be fighting on the on the contender series later in the summer. To try to get a shot in the UFC, and I I imagine she probably is. She's uh, I don't know exactly her MMA record offhand, but I know that she is undefeated, and she's had four or five fights or so um, in smaller promotions in MMA. So um, I don't know. I just I see her probably um, blowing whoever it is out of the water that she's going to be facing. Although you know you never know, but that's what I expect, and then I do expect her to ultimately get into the UFC. It'll be interesting what division and all of that. I'm not really sure. Um, since Valentina looks like it's going to get the, finally get the title shot at 125. Um, I'm not totally sure uh, where that's going to put her sister. Cause you know, they're probably never going to fight each other. So I don't know if she's going to go up to bantamweight. I'm not really sure, but it'll be interesting to see. Um, but anyway, last week, um, Greg Hardy, um, it was a huge new story because he's a ex NFL football player and uh, has gotten into MMA and was on the Tuesday night contender series and won his fight and was offered a contract. Like you would, okay, like who cares? But um, the plot line is that, or the twist is that he uh, is a known domestic, abuser. Um he's had all kinds of domestic violence charges brought against him. He's been convicted. He's been found guilty. It's not like this is something new. This is something that um like he you know he's been through. He's already um been convicted and all of those things. Uh, and so yeah, um, you know, it's a well known and documented fact and um, you know, that I think raised a lot of eyebrows as it should because um the UFC Dana White, they were well aware of his past and um even commented and Dana White said that he believes people can change and that he did everything by the book in terms of like going through the legal process and serving his time and um, you know, serving the punishment that he was dealt, um, and that he deserves a second chance because, you know, he's Um, hasn't done anything to sort of suggest that he hasn't changed. But a lot of people, um, you know, were in uproar about that and didn't think that that was a good answer and was kind of an excuse. And uh, actually, on the site, um, we published a piece um, about it, an op-ed, that um, one of my amazing writers wrote. Her name is Leah Dent, and uh, she wrote about... um, If this makes the UFC anti-woman and, you know, how does this whole Greg Hardy situation play into the UFC being a pro-woman, you know, very um, empowering organization that treats women equally and, um, you know, is very well known to now be a place that is very welcoming to women and, um, you know, doesn't tolerate uh, domestic violence because there's been other sort of instances and stuff where um, people have been, had charges brought against them or have been convicted or what have you. Um, And they've been either let go of the UFC or they've been uh, like suspended while the investigation goes through. Like they've been very much zero tolerance pretty much until this point. Um, and, uh, and the piece kind of explain or examines whether or not like this is changing and is this kind of opening up the floodgates and what is this, what are kind of the broader consequences of them signing somebody like Greg Hardy into the organization. And actually one of the female fighters in UFC, Jessica Rose Clark, she actually, uh, openly commented on the issue because she is a survivor of domestic violence and she, is very uncomfortable with someone like Greg Hardy being a part of the organization and um, kind of standing against everything that she believes in. And, you know, rightly so. And I think especially something like fighting is, it's so emotional. And I think people get into it, especially women, um, because you've gone through things and you've had to fight for, and, or you've gone through things that, i I didn't say that correctly. you've gone through things that you've had to fight for, and as a result have um, either lost some of your voice or your power or felt disempowered or felt helpless or been victimized or whatever and as a result of that, you um want to take back your power and you want to fight back and you want to learn how to defend yourself and protect yourself and all of those things and um when you're then letting people into the same organization that have caused a lot of these sorts of issues for other women, um, you know, there's a very obvious sort of conflict that that comes from that. And I can totally understand where she's coming from. And I think it's an extremely uncomfortable thing. And, um, you know, it shouldn't be like that. I think, especially, you know, I can't imagine, honestly, how many Female fighters in the UFC probably are victims of various types of violence. I'm sure it's probably the majority Um, just because of like how trauma works and how these things end up sort of shaping the direction of your life and the things that you're interested in. You know, I think and I can speak even from my own personal experience. You don't just like get into fighting because it sounds interesting. You know, it's not something you're attracted to because it sounds like a good time. You're attracted to it because you've already gone through adversity, you've faced obstacles and you want to overcome them and you want to prove to yourself and prove to other people that you couldn't be broken and um, you want to take back the power that you feel like you've lost or that people have taken from you. Um, that's not true in every case and I think there's also, um, I think honestly though, the there's Um, sort of like that kind of, uh, story or motivation that goes into someone fighting. Um, and then I think there's also the sort of martial arts aspect where some people are raised in an environment where martial arts is something they're learning or being introduced to from a young age, like a Mackenzie Dern would be a good example of that. Um, or, um, they get into it from a young age and just kind of carry forward in some way. Um, what have you, right? um. And I think there's kind of like those two camps and there's a crossover, but I think the majority of fighters, especially women kind of fall into one of those two. And, um, yeah, so, um, anyway, there's a really good piece on the site. I'll leave it link in the show notes for you to check it out. Um, I think it's really, really well done though. And, you know, this is, um, I think something to keep an eye on too. I definitely, you know, my personal opinion you know, I ca- I can understand um, where Dana White's coming from in the sense of like, you know, he's done his time and all of that, and um, I guess not wanting to like hold it over his head forever. But at the same time, you know, sometimes actions have lifelong consequences, and sometimes things go beyond like the scope of the legal system. And a lot of times, it's a matter of principle, it's a matter of honor and respect. And I think out of those things, and out of consideration especially for the female roster, um, he should not be welcome in the UFC. And I think it needs to be a message even that, like, they don't tolerate abusers. They don't tolerate um, people that are doing those kind of things. Um, I think it's really important to, like, send that message out there because um, it makes it really difficult then for people who are doing those kinds of heinous, awful things to then... Consider going into an organization like that. And I think as prestigious as the UFC is, it's really important to, to keep that integrity. And, you know, just to make it really clear that that's not something that is going to be tolerated. So that's my take on it. But, yeah, um, I guess it should be interesting to see what comes of it, how it plays out. Um, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that, I think uh, this is a good transition even to go into Ronda Rousey because uh, one of the things I thought about and even um, that was sort of talked about in the piece that I mentioned before um, is what Ronda Rousey would think about Greg Hardy because she, in her prime, was very outspoken against Floyd Mayweather, who is also a known domestic abuser. Um, You know, he's been charged countless times with various terrible horrible crimes and uh she was definitely speaking out against him and you know made it very clear that she was not a fan of his and um didn't tolerate the kind of actions and things that he stands for And, um, she very famously called him out, um, at the ESPYs because she won fighter of the year in 2015 and Floyd Mayweather was a nominee for fighter of the year, but she won. And, um, when she got her award, she said, quote, I wonder how Floyd feels being beat by a woman for once. I'd like to see him pretend to not know who I am now. Um, so (laughs) I love that. And, I. so it's interesting to think of you know what she would think about this whole situation and even um because you know now she's married to Travis Brown who is actually another example of a uh, domestic abuser uh, I should probably say alleged domestic abuser in UFC because he had, had um his ex-wife uh, speak out and essentially accuse him of domestic violence. And she had posted some photos um, and there was an investigation that happened as a result. And he um, was sort of put into a suspension while that happened. And although the investigation ended up being inconclusive and he wasn't actually charged with anything and then um, his contract was reinstated, um, you know, it was an an example of them um, not having tolerance for it because even though, you know, he wasn't even convicted at that point, he was, uh, only being investigated for. And also, you know, he was, uh, dating Rhonda at the time. And there was a lot of people saying like, uh, oh, like Rhonda, um, weren't you just last year, like calling out Floyd Mayweather for doing like the same things that your now boyfriend is being accused of. And she didn't really comment on it. Um, and you know, obviously, I, nor anyone else, really knows the goings-on of her relationship, and I do think it's unfair to speculate when, ultimately, um, there weren't any charges, there was nothing that came of it, um, so, but, yeah, it'd be interesting, I think, to see, like, her take on it, and, you know, if she was still an actor-fighter, like, you know, would that, would that be happening? <laughs> Um, And how much of an influence, you know, does she have on like Dana White's thinking and those kind of things where like when she was like one of the biggest pay-per-view stars they had, you know, would he have had uh, been singing a different tune than now when, um, you know, that's not the case anymore. And she's not necessarily a direct influence in that respect. And speaking of that, you've probably heard by now that she is being inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame as the first woman to be inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame. And that was announced during UFC 225. They did an amazing tribute video. I literally was like almost in tears. (laughs) Um, And it was really, it was really cool. And I think it's it's in July uh, is when the actual induction will happen you know, it's just, it's really amazing. And, uh, I couldn't be more proud of her or what she's done for women's sports or what she's done for women's MMA for just everything that she's accomplished. And I definitely think it's well-deserved. Um, she's definitely a pioneer, um, not just of women's MMA, but MMA in general. And I think bringing it to a wider audience and, um, really bringing women into this sport and as spectators, as fans, as fighters, kind of, all along the way. She's how I got into the sport, you know, like I wouldn't be sitting here right now recording this podcast if I had never read Ronda Rousey's book. Um so she's definitely the reason for many people and um I think just what she's managed to do and how she took women's MMA from just kind of being um more of a spectacle and just sort of another women's sport that was just sort of under the radar wasn't getting really much attention um, and then really just took it to a completely new height that no one could have predicted in, in such a short amount of time too is just incredible and I think even, you know, in MMA, you know, she had a lot of success for a long time. She defended her title in the UFC six times. She's accomplished a lot. And I think well-deserved in terms of her going into the Hall of Fame. Um, You know, there are many people who will kind of point out to her last two fights or um, look at her as having been exposed or... um, you know, just kind of being a media hype job and sure. Well, there's definitely, I think, elements of truth to, to that. Um, it, you know, it doesn't represent the whole story and I think it's unfair to paint her entire narrative and all of her accomplishments just under that umbrella. You know, she's had 14 professional fights in MMA, not just two, and she won 12 of those, you know, and in very dominant fashion and blah, 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 right? And so, um... Yeah, so I think that that's gonna be really exciting and um she made a statement saying like hope that, that she hopes she's the first of many, which I think is really great too. Um and I you know, I hope so too. I'm excited to see I think her sort of being the first, you know, and, and makes sense even in terms of like um we're just kind of seeing like the first sort of uh era of women's MMA fighters kinda of going into retirement. People like Marlos Conan Um, who were real pioneers of the sport. Misha Tate, another example, um, who are now, um, kind of ending their careers. But, um, really I think the the second wave of, of women who actually like got a more decent amount of attention are, are still active. There haven't been a whole lot of women's MMA fighters who like have actually like had a seasoned career and retired. So I, I don't think there's anyone else who really makes sense to like go in there first, um, and I'm not sure who will be next. I don't know if Misha Tate is potentially somebody they would consider putting in there. Um, I'm not sure if she's accomplished enough, honestly, but um, maybe. But I can totally understand them putting Rousey in there first, no matter who they put in there next. But I think it's going to be really interesting to see, too. And even as, because um, there's definitely, I think, going to be a wave probably in the next few years of, um sort of the next wave kind of retiring it's people like uh, Sarah McMahon and Alexis Davis who have been in the sport for a really long time and are definitely even pioneers in their own right um, you know they're getting into their upper 30s they're having children and uh, I think you're going to see them uh, retiring sooner rather than later and it'll be kind of interesting to um, to see you know who else uh, and even who the second woman Will be who's in the UFC Hall of Fame, so good for her. Um, gosh, and then that kind of just brings us to this weekend. So, there's a small fight night card happening in Singapore. Um, Donald Cerrone is taking on Leon Edwards. Um, I don't necessarily have that much to say about this card. I mean, it's definitely you know, it's one of those like fight nights, it's in Singapore, so it's gonna be airing, I think, in like the morning. Yeah, it's going to be airing at 8 a.m. Eastern Time. Um, so, <laughs> 5 a.m. Pacific Time. So, I, you know, this is not going to be like a huge, deep fight card. But I, there's, um, as of right now, it looks like 12 fights on the card. And um, some good matchups. I think the fight I'm actually the most excited about on this card is the woman. Well, there's two women's fights on the card. But on the main card... Um, Jessica Rose Clark, who I mentioned earlier, is taking on Jessica I. Um, I think this is one of the first flyweight fights that's really exciting and that actually has um, a chance to really um I guess identify a clear contender. Although neither of these women are gonna be fighting for the belt next. That's gonna be Valentina Shevchenko. I think it will sort of solidify like who's gonna really like break into the top ten, although They're in the lower part of the top ten who's going to potentially break into the top five and sort of be uh, a force to be reckoned with in the division and potentially setting themselves up for a potential title shot down the line. Because I think the winner of this fight um, probably would, after even one more fight could potentially then go on to fight for the belt. That's kind of the beauty of a new division is that it's not really stacked even if it is because there has to be sort of a clear ranking ship that's developed. And uh, we're kind of seeing that start to happen now. So Jessica Rose Clark is coming off of a win over Paige Van Zant, which happened back in January. Um, and Paige Van Zandt did break her arm in the first round of the, of the fight. So that's to be considered. But Jessica won pretty handedly. Um, and, you know, she, she's somebody I have a lot of respect for, has a really powerful backstory. Um, and yeah, I, uh, I think she's somebody that has a lot of potential and even like what I've seen so far. Um, I think she, um, is definitely going to be a big problem for a lot of women in this division. Um, sorry, I was just also looking at her record. Um, she's on a decent win streak right now. Um, she has a lot of momentum, I think behind her and, uh, I think really her uh she's very fast and she has uh really good footwork and I think um I'm interested to see against Jessica I kind of how that pans out. Um Jessica hasn't fought for a while. Um she oh, I'm sorry, she fought also back in January. Um but before that she came off of like a really long layoff and had a terrible losing streak, a bantamweight four fight losing streak and um but you can never count on Jessica guy. I have a lot of respect for her. Um, I like her as a person. She um, is from my hometown, actually. She's from Cleveland, and so am I. Um, so just by merit and not, I really like her. And, you know, her style um, is also kind of one of those. Like, she can be, like, she's, I, I think, mostly um, a striker. And uh, uh, is always kind of coming forward in, in your face. And she does have quite a few submissions. But... Um, as, on her record as wins but a lot of those have been like what I call opportunity submissions where she's kind of like put on the ground or put into um like a position where she can find an opening to then submit her opponent she's not necessarily like a pure grappler um but she's very crafty and she's very smart she has a good fight IQ in that sense where she can see an opening and take it Um, but she even kind of reminds me of Holly Holm in the sense of like, she used to fight a lot more aggressively and she's been a little bit more tentative, um, over the last few years. So I think if she still has that sort of, uh, tentativeness in her approach, I don't see her winning, but I think if she comes fully guns blazing and is confident and just really ready to brawl, I think that she can defeat Jessica Rose Clark, but I think it all depends on Jessica I's mentality and her mindset. I am going to predict Jessica Rose Clark is going to win, but I wouldn't count out Jessica I, and I wouldn't be surprised if she did win. Um, and in terms of the main event, you know, I think, I mean, D- uh, Donald Cerrone fight's always a great one, and um, I, I think this is kind of going to be telling to me and I think to a lot of the fans of, like, is he still kind of in it? Um You know, because he's kind of been on a downward slope um, over the last, mm, like, what is it, year and a half. Some bad losses to Jorge Masvidal, to Robbie Lawler, um, Darren Till. Um, he is coming off a win over Yancey Medeiros, but, um, you know, now he's ranked number 11 and he used to always kind of be up more towards the top five. And he's taking on Leon Edwards, who's number 13. Um, so to me, I kind of think this is a fight that will sort of define like, you know, is his time up? He is 35 years old. Um, and I admittedly don't know very much about Leon Edwards. Um, so I don't think I'm even going to give a prediction for this fight but um he he is coming off a big winning streak he's on like a five fight winning streak right now and uh yeah I don't know when you see somebody like that who's young and hungry he's 26 I just kind of think like yikes like uh, you know (laughs) I'm not I'm not so sure how great that's going to be for Donald Cerrone um who if anything I think probably needs more of a confidence booster than anything I feel like he might get smoked by the young gun so yeah um thanks so much for tuning in and if you found this podcast helpful or interesting or inspiring and there's anything you took away from it please make sure to subscribe uh we release episodes every week And it really helps us if you rate and review as well um, because it helps to bring the podcast to more people and also just tell us if you like the content and what you would like to see. I anticipate having some interviews and some guests happening over the next few episodes, which I'm really excited about. So stay tuned for that. And thank you so much again for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review, um, and also check out the website, femalefightfans.com links to everything mentioned will be in the show notes and have a great week